0: This podcast follows on from an unlearning leadership event that we held this morning with our guest speaker, Julie Nerney. Hi, Julie. Hi. Um, and we're also joined by the Managing Director of Peridot, Grant Taylor. Hello, Grant. Hello. <laughs> and we're going to talk today about how you can be a different type of leader, what that actually means, uh, and how you need to bring yourself and your values to work to be your authentic self. Julie is a fairly new chair of the Association of Colleges. She's been a leader of about 14 different organisations and was the youngest NHS uh, non-exec director. I have read a quote recently which described your CV and it's your own quote, insects have died on a piece of paper. (laughs) So it sounds like you've had an interesting leadership journey. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about how you've become the leader that you are and, and what are the most important things that you've learned?
1: Thanks Emma. So I have been at work for 30 years which makes me frightfully old Um, and the insects that died on a piece of paper are a uh, consequence of me taking lots of different opportunities in life Um, so not a conventional career path. Um, But I think over those 30 years I've seen the world of work change dramatically um, around being task focused to being people focused Um, and I'm fairly convinced that the people focus has always been important but the world of business and society has caught up to that now about purpose and people being the driver of organizational success Um, and I learned that myself through my own journey about being focused on the what and the task at the expense of people um, is actually an inhibitor rather than an enabler for success.
0: You talked a little bit earlier about how the how is really important for you and what was that switch for you? Why is that so important now?
1: I think it's understanding when I started working as an interim and you go going to different organisations and you can be across different sectors and different types of situations. Um, it was always about the culture of the organisation. It was always about how was the ingredient that made the difference. So in all of those situations, they could have been the same plans, resources, vision, people, but the way in which the work was done was where the magic happened. And so creating a culture which enabled the how to be the accelerant of performance i firmly believe that culture is is the difference between high performing organizations and not um i think became a a real differentiator for me Uh, and understanding that as i matured in my leadership journey that creating environments where people can be the best version of themselves is actually the most powerful and important thing that any leader can do and that starts with setting a culture
0: We talked a little bit earlier around um, some of the qualities that are coming up in 21st um, century modern leadership, qualities like empathy and patience and courage. Um, How have you found those on your leadership journey?
1: I think um, empathy is one of the ones that uh, really strikes a chord with me because it's the one that's most about people. Uh, and being able to walk in other people's shoes and understand uh, where they're coming from enables you to motivate and lead them and create followership in a different way. So um, I, I think when I in the early part of my career when I was very task focused it was all about doing stuff quickly um, doing it better doing more of it um, and not really thinking about the journey that you're taking people on so being mindful of that creating that environment where people can be the best version of themselves understanding what drives and motivates them and giving them a part in the story um, because any organisational story is about the leader's story and the leader's vision and there's a personal narrative in that but all the other members of the team who are invested in making that happen have their own stories and their own reason for being there and what they want to get out of it and understanding that and bringing that together can really galvanise performance and success so empathy for me I think is the most important thing
0: And you've known Grant I know, for about 15 years um, and Perido is 10 this year How have you two Connected on your very different leadership journeys in some ways.
2: I think we've connected um, on a on a really human level um, about what's intuitive about leadership. Um, You know, it's not so much the theoretical stuff; it's it's the. The, the practical reality of, of um, what we founded Perido Partners on um, has been about people at the centre um, and relationships. Um, uh, Julie talks about um, you know enabling people to be the best that they can be, and that's the job of a leader. Um, and you know Perido um, for me was an organisation that would allow people to become the the kind of people they wanted to be at work. So um, the recruitment industry has a particular Um, methodology and way of working that that creates very successful businesses Um, but left me slightly cold in certain ways in terms of uh, my work with organizations that were delivering social value so for me it was about enabling people to come and join the organization and work in a way that suited them with organizations that they cared for that had a purpose Um, so Using words like shared purpose, um, using words like enabling, um, you know, enabling long-term relationships between organisations and us uh, and, and our consultants rather than focusing on sh- short-term targets and objectives um, is something that you, you know, we had in common intuitively um, and continue to have in common you know, in the way that we, we lead our organisations and our job roles.
0: You were quite surprised by something that Julie said earlier. You said in all the time that you've known her, it was a surprise to you. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that was?
2: I'm always intrigued uh, when I hear about Julie's uh, journey um, and, you know, the beginnings that she had and, you know, overcoming adversity and all that type of stuff. But the learning, the the self-awareness that Julie has, um, you know, has pitched her above uh, the the majority of people that, um, you know, are in her space um, and exec and non-exec levels have put her into a different category, really. And I think Again, it's back to the human stuff, but it's that that ability to reflect back and say, actually, things were broken for me. You know, I fell down, I fell over, and those analogies that she used. But it's the it's the learning around that It didn't stop her. She just came back stronger. She just reflected more on on what it was that created that and how she could overcome it. And you know, she says it took years to um, to unlearn and, and to learn new things. And what that's enabled her to do is be truly authentic. And for me, when she said that that period of time had enabled her to change massively and, 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 you know, move on um, as a human and be more aligned to, um, you know, her work and bring her her real self to that in a different way. I was surprised to hear that she didn't feel that at that point it impacted differently on how people would experience her work, Uh, whereas I'm... Pretty sure that it did. Um, so. It's
1: a great example of continuous learning, though, isn't it? Yeah. Because you, your challenge made me reflect on that and think, actually, yes, what I'm saying that's consistent here is my technical competence and my task and the things that you were I was kind of naturally good at were unchanged. But you were absolutely right to challenge me in that space, and that, that's what's so important about learning. Is it? It never stops. Your reflective practice doesn't stop and and every time I talk about my story somebody will pick up I had great conversations with people at the end of the event today and that they all took something differently but they all gave me something new to think about uh, and made me think about how I might share that story in the future um and, and that for me I think is the key to to, to great leadership you know to lead you have to have a level of confidence to put your head above the parapet to put yourself in a lonely place where you get very poor feedback and you're quite isolated but you have to have humility alongside that because that self-awareness to know that you don't have all the answers that learning never stops is really important if you don't have that humility alongside the confidence then that confidence tips into arrogance Mm -hmm. and then you don't create followership and you lose your sense of purpose and identity Mm-hmm. And listening to what Grant was saying about Peridot's journey as well, um, when people talk about culture being a soft subject, I mean, I think you should do it because it's a human thing to do and it's the right thing to do. It's not a soft subject. It absolutely is a differentiator in performance. And the reason that Peridot's gone from strength to strength is it lives its values and its culture in a way which is distinct from the rest of its industry and it creates competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. And there are countless brands and organisations that you can look to who leverage that in a way which has integrity and has meaning for its people, but is also incredibly successful in the fields that they operate in. It matters. Well, one of the things
2: i took from today and, and we haven't talked about it yet is um the characteristic of love mm-hmm. um and um you know that's about loving what you do um and you know we love what we do but it's about loving yourself um and you know this is the second leadership event network event that we've had uh, the first one it didn't come up really um i don't recognize it i don't remember it as much no, I um but today it resonated with me you know we had a Um, a a CEO from a hospice environment um, who demonstrated a a different level of understanding of what that meant in their leadership journey. But for me, you know, at at the point I'm in currently in the year uh, and where I'm at, you know, that... That meant a lot to, to actually just think and reflect on. Actually, I, I, I need to put myself first sometimes. I need to uh, have a love for myself uh, and protect uh, you know my own health and well-being before I can enable others to do the same. Um, and you know maybe it's something leaders don't think of naturally, intuitively. Uh, it's a bit of a soft word. I feel slightly embarrassed talking about it now for some reason. I don't know why. But it, it really resonated today. And I'm, I'm going to go out of this room later and I'm going to think about actually how I can make sure that I'm... Um, in tune with myself first and foremost more of the time.
1: And the word love has such connotations. We talked a lot about language today, creativity meaning different things to different people. And, of course, mm. love, when you're having that conversation at work, feels like it feels like it's a personal mm. word, not a work word. But it's about kindness and it's mm. about compassion and self-love. And, and I think when you have the drive to lead you can often not take care of yourself. And I used the analogy earlier about, you know, put your own oxygen mask on before you help others. If you're not fit and well and able, then how can you be the kind of leader that is enabling and facilitating Mm -hmm. your your team to be, you know, the best version of themselves, to operate in a way which is productive and healthy? So we're our own worst critics sometimes, and Mm -hmm. we're harsh on ourselves, Mm -hmm. and we do need to be kinder to ourselves. That balance between confidence and humility, if you take the humility too far and you wear the hair shirt... Um, then actually you stop loving yourself and you stop you stop leading well, I think. So That keeping that in balance, I think, is really important.
0: Well, you were very sort of candid about the fact that you weren't operating as yourself both at home and work. Yeah. And, and that broke
1: you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I was chasing achievement at work to give myself some kind of value as a human being. Uh, because I didn't value myself as a human being for a whole host of reasons um, to do with my past and my upbringing. And, and actually, that carries with it a sense of shame and stigma that comes with that. And so work me had this you know, very bright, shiny, professional, successful persona, but I'd be at home and not feeling great about myself. That disconnect isn't healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what was driving me to work wasn't healthy actually the work that I do is very similar and you know to Grant's challenge earlier people probably experienced me differently so it's not that I've changed what I do but I'm just more connected to it uh, and it feels more authentic but I also it sits with me it's kind of almost fitting into your own skin Mm -hmm. kind of you stretch out your limbs and just kind of stretch into your fingertips and your toes it's like oh there's me Mm -hmm. and that's nice it's nice to be you warts and all you know none of us are perfect but it's it's a better experience to have and it's a more real experience that you bring to your work and um, it's part of that leadership story and it's part of creating that followership. You're a believable human being. We all have flaws, you know. Um, And I started talking about my journey because somebody encouraged me to do so and I was very nervous about doing that. But I realised it gave permission to other people to talk about that too. There's something about, oh, we can't show that we're fallible or vulnerable thinking about the conversation we had earlier that that there's some kind of failure associated with that actually we're all human beings right and we all have great days and we all have crappy days
2: it's really really interesting for me that there was a, a discussion quite a lot of discussion around boards and governance in this session today as well um But we were talking about the vulnerability, and it's in context. So some people felt that being vulnerable with their teams was something that was um, viable um, and useful and helpful and, you know, all of that. Um, But actually showing vulnerability with the board was not something that they would be prepared to do um, because it's construed differently Um, and the board's role is different and it could say more about the board than that individual but that's how they felt and uh, there was there was a definite theme um, around how human you could be how much of a modern leader you could be when you've got a governance structure and a board around you of people that don't recognize those modern traits. Yeah
1: Yeah, and there's an interesting leadership challenge isn't it because when I think So I've sat on dozens of boards now, I'm chair of three organisations. The board is the leadership body for the organisation. It might not be the executive function that's there day in, day out, but it should be the strategic guiding mind for the organisation. It should be setting the tone around culture and behaviour. So actually hearing that today made me realise what a disconnect is, that, that work, both generationally and societally, is moving on and leadership is moving on. But the generational divide that you tend to have, because it is typically older board members, means that there is that disconnect. And unless that board relationship with the chief exec, um, as a trustee or an ex-officio member, are working as a team, as a leadership team, then there'll be a disconnect between governance uh, and the day-to-day activities of the organisation, which is actually a real risk.
2: It's one of the biggest risks for the sector at the moment. You know, If we're wanting to affect um, change and better leadership then, um, you know, it always, for me, comes back to boards and the governance structures as the enablers. and You know, they should be modelling the leadership characteristics that we need, um, but actually what we're finding is that they're, they're counterintuitive to it often. So, um, yeah, something to think on.
0: And there's also something um, which you mentioned before about how you don't really like the term resilience mm. and how that can almost be mm. a blocker when people yeah. keep going when actually they don't need to and they yeah. they put up a barrier and they're not again it's being authentic it is and
1: it's that kind of move isn't it from the kind of hero leadership where you have all the answers you are the font of all knowledge you run up the mountain and expect everybody to follow you um you never show any weakness or vulnerability you never say i don't know and and you just keep going no matter what you know and i know to my personal cost that that's not a healthy place to be in but I much prefer the use of the word agency. It's one of my chief execs in one of the organisations I chair use this, so I shamelessly um, have nicked it, because <laughs> when you hear good things, you should always, uh, you should always appropriate them. Um, and he talks about agency. Uh, An agency being about the power to shape and control and develop the environment you're in. And it's a much more empowering and owning quality. Resilience implies I'm in the middle of something that might be really quite difficult and tricky, but I'm just going to stand here stoically and keep going while people are throwing rocks at me. That doesn't help, does it? And it's incredibly disempowering because you're just on the receiving end of something. Um, Whereas having real agency... And having agency in your leadership to say, OK, I'm going to shape my environment so it's not like this anymore, I think has more power for you as a leader and for your teams.
0: Mm. But it's quite courageous to be able to do that. And particularly if you're a chief exec with a board, being able to ask for help or yeah. have a response from a board that's going to support you and you feel that you can do that, which I think that's where a lot of... Um, Uh, boards and chief exec relationships struggle
1: yeah and you know with every chief exec I've worked with as a chair and I have three at the moment and they're all very different and they're at different stages in their own leadership journey but we always have a really open conversation about how are we going to work together about our respective roles and contributions what the balance looks like and we create an environment where you have this challenge of needing to be a leadership team and a partnership particularly if you're dealing with external stakeholders and presenting that kind of front um, to also being the chair being the chief execs line manager in terms of performance appraisal but also when you're the chief exec it's lonely and I've been the chief exec over a dozen times and you have nowhere to go so having a chair that you can pick up the phone with and go can I just pick your brains about this for a bit it's not about line management it's not about leadership so you actually have these three things that have to work in tandem around that relationship and you have to be overt about that and explicit about which mode you're operating in in order for that to be effective and when that works well you get a relationship where a chief executive is very open and you have no surprises you can present a united but not cozy front at a board and you manage the board and the direction of the organization Um, but it's not without challenge it's that balance between challenge and support that productive tension that you need to have between the two relationships people don't invest enough time in having that conversation and setting those ground rules at the outset if you do that i think you then get into a situation i have one of my chief execs who will gladly come to a board meeting to go i don't know what you think because they value the fact they've assembled a board which is aligned to our strategy which is going to have value and expertise and we have a genuine conversation I've sat in too many meetings, board meetings as a chief exec, where I've left the room and I'm ashamed to say, we'll go, that's three hours of my life, I'm never getting back, because it utterly made no difference to what I'm doing. So as a chair of a board now, I say, I never want a member of my executive team to ever feel like that. If they don't leave this room and feel like they've got something from that meeting and we've added value in some small way, then what's the point of the board?
0: Yeah, and it's that agency as well.
1: Yeah, and that creates the agency to make the change, Yeah.
2: yeah. It's amazing how many people still don't think like that. The board is there because it needs to be there, because you have the responsibilities to govern. Uh, whatever context you're in, whether it's a you know education college or you know charity social enterprise, um, and not not enough organisations or, or CEOs um, see the benefit in assembling a group of people that can really stretch their thinking, that can provide that support network for them. Yes, it could be more challenging at times, but oh, you're going to make such a difference, and you're going to you're going to be a more effective leader. Your outcomes are going to be better. It's going to supercharge your career. Um, why what? Why wouldn't you do it?
1: And why wouldn't you want your board and your leadership team to be exhibiting the kind of qualities that we talked about today? If you look at the palette of those things, so courage and conviction is about having ambition, leading the organisation. Patience in terms of, I've seen some boards drive organisations too hard, too fast, and that's not sensible. Uh, Creativity in terms of taking a new direction or not standing still so the organisation doesn't stagnate. But also the, the qualities around vulnerability and empathy. That enables them to lead and work with their executive team more effectively if you're in a social enterprise or not-for-profit sector, empathy with your service users, with other, other parts of the organisation. These leadership qualities are for everybody in a leadership role. So you could be in a non-executive role or an executive role. Or you could be anywhere in an organisation where you have a leadership voice and, and that matters. All of those qualities matter. And it's about getting that mix of those qualities, again, so you get that right challenge, the support and challenge around it all.
0: Thank you both very much for your time. Um, I think one of the things that we would like to pick up on another podcast is around future leaders, because mm. that was something that people really talked about earlier today as well, and, and how that kind of giving people agency, inspiring them, because these are the future leaders coming up. Mm, yeah. So thank you both for your time. Thank, thank you.
2: Pleasure. Thank you, Julie.